Okay, here we go. Welcome in to West of Everest. Oklahoma has played its first game in the Brent Venables era, and it was a good one. The Sooners beat UTEP 45-13. to uh, the game happened on Saturday, obviously. This is late Sunday morning. Lee Benson here alongside Grant Benson breaking it all down for you, and we're treating it like uh, the game just ended. Uh, I uh, personally have had a chance just to go back and re-watch the first quarter. Didn't have time to do anything else. Uh, you know, I'd like I'd like to go back and watch as much as possible before we do these podcasts, but you know, sometimes you just run out of time, and, and I, you know, I got to bang them out. Uh, because I got to work on Sundays, and you know, it'd be one of those things, Grant. If uh, you know, I didn't have to work on Sunday, I'd be you know down with rewatching the whole podcast, doing all this prep, and you and I doing it whenever, and we bang it out. But uh, you know, the, the time-wise, that's impossible. So we're just gonna go ahead and treat this like the game just ended, and I think it'll be fine because we've done this podcast now going into year six, year six. So uh, we'll figure it out as we go along. How's it going? Going pretty well. Um, I was able to rewatch the game, or at least. You know, a majority of the game that I felt was was useful because there does get you do get to a point in the second half of the game where it's very obvious both teams are going through the motions and they're just like, let's get out of here. But um, but yeah, I mean, I've I, I essentially rewatched the first three quarters and my my thoughts on the game are, are a lot different rewatching it than they than they were live for sure. So here we go. We're going to talk uh, everything that stood out to us, surprises, uh, concerns that we have moving forward. Uh, Three-word reviews. Uh, we got a lot of them on Twitter, at Lee Benson News 9. Uh, you guys did a great job on Saturday. I apologize. I forgot to post the prompt to the West of Everest Facebook page. I did post the prompt, though, before we started recording. So if some of you see that as we're recording this, I'll do my best to get to those three-word reviews or any other takes, thoughts you all have on the first game of the Brent Venables era. And, uh, you know, it, it was a game that uh, it started great. I, I thought Oklahoma was, in a, you know, on our UTEP preview podcast, Grant, I predicted 55-14 to 14 because that was the score of the last time that OU opened up the season at home against UTEP with Brent Venables on the sideline. And honestly, the final score is pretty close to that. Uh, but the offense, after those first three series, hit some, I guess, snafus. I mean, it, it kind of slowed down a bit, and I haven't had a chance to really go back and, and rewatch kind of what happened. Maybe you can provide a little bit more insight into that. But uh, the offense started fast. The defense started fast. But there were some lulls in the middle of the game that, uh, you know, allowed UTEP to grab some momentum. And uh, But, you know, ultimately, though, Oklahoma goes on. Uh, the closing line, I believe, was 30 or 31. So the Sooners were able to cover that spread by, I think, a point. And they went over the total by about a point or two, uh, thanks to Zach Schmidt's last field goal there. So good on uh, Brent Venables, good on Jeff Lebby for recognizing that and making sure they kicked that field goal instead of going for it on fourth down, which could have resulted in no points. That was the most important part of the game, uh, from my perspective, actually, by the way. Uh, so you know, everything else doesn't really matter except for them covering the spread and going over the total. So uh, from there, Grant, what is your most important thing of the game? Jeez. <laughs> wow. Thanks for just kind of teeing that one up. That's great. Um, uh, you know, it's that that's the most important. You got to make sure the donors are happy. The fans are happy. It's game one. You can't go in, into game two knowing that you're 0-1 against the spread. You just can't do that. Well, Lee, on that note, my uh, my number one takeaway from the game after rewatching it is that it, it appears that there were no injuries. And that is the most important part, I think. Um, I thought a lot of the glitches that we saw, it was most it was mainly just two drives in the second quarter is, is what we're talking about there. And I thought the issues with there had to do with a combination between penalties and just the tempo were, were, were the problem there. 
Um, we'll get into kind of some some issues we have with, with Dylan Gabriel later on as well. But really, for the most part, Lee, I thought they played pretty well. And it does kind of seem like they didn't really show a whole lot. They ran like four or five plays the entire game. They, they really didn't do much. They didn't show a lot. That goes for defense as well. They were pretty con- they were pretty content just to kind of keep everything in front of them. We said going into this game, Lee, that UTEP was going to try to take a lot of shots because that's what they did against North Texas. That's kind of where they had success against North Texas a lot of the time. And you could tell, Lee, OU went into this game as their game plan was they weren't going to let UTEP take any of those shots. And whenever UTEP did attempt to do that, there were a lot of coverage sacks, actually. So, you know, when if you go back and rewatch it, OU had six sacks in the game. A lot of them were on plays where UTEP tried to take a concerted effort to take a shot down the field. And there was just nothing there. So that I really, really liked. I have some concerns with just how much easy yardage they did give up. It felt like a lot more watching it live. Rewatching it, it wasn't necessarily as much as I, as I feared. Um... But man, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. There was there were also other times too on the defense league where I was like, you know what? These are a lot of the same guys that we saw with Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley. And maybe it's going to take some time for them to be, you know, for that to be massaged out of them a little bit. And I mostly I mostly kind of thinking about they got their hands on the ball a ton in that game and really didn't convert those into turnovers. And that's that was kind of a consistent theme over the last 3 or 4 years. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I got that feeling as well on the sidelines. By the way, I, I, you know, I was there on the sidelines watching the game through a camera lens like I do uh, most of the college football season. So that's why you know, I like to go back and rewatch it through the TV broadcast angle to get a better understanding. And again, I've only done the first quarter. Uh, but on the field, especially early on in the game, and I'm not so sure if that feeling lingered into the second half, but I did get the sense particularly like Billy Bowman. I felt like he was getting there a tick too late a couple of plays, and I saw that in the first quarter as I was rewatching the game, which definitely reminded me a lot of the Alex Grinch era. It's like they're just, they're just a second too late, or maybe they get a little bit of a hand on the ball, but they can't make a play. And uh, that's just, you know, maybe that's... I don't know what that is. It's, hopefully it's just, you know, it's a, it's a new system. It's the first game. They're still getting comfortable and that'll change you know moving on or at what point and we'll be able to make more of a a concrete uh decision or or thought on this halfway through the year you know if you know maybe that's just who these guys are certain players maybe they just can't make those plays like uh you know I I know I think Billy Bowman ended up with like nine tackles or something like that when I rewatched the game in the first quarter I didn't really see him showing up a whole lot so I'm kind of getting there late granted he's a safety so he can't let anybody get behind him and they did do a good job of preventing big plays Ted Roof after the game said one of their main priorities going into the game against UTEP was preventing explosive plays and I think UTEP's biggest play of the game was only 24 yards I believe which is that's very good that's very very good but I I will say though again like to your point a moment ago they did seem to give up a lot of easy yardage uh, throughout the game and I I, I'm curious to go back and watch to see what happened there you mentioned that maybe uh, upon rewatch it wasn't as bad as you thought you know initially watching the game but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does. It did seem like maybe there was, you know, they're they're still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to kind of get it get it going as as far as getting to the ball, you know, making plays. No, you know, didn't force any turnovers. Uh, had a chance to. Danny Stutzman, I I guess you could say he dropped an interception. That's the biggest. Uh, it would have been. That's the one when it, you it rewatch been, it. It's Lee. I. It's he's got to make that play. You got to pick that ball off. And that was that was UTEP's only touchdown drive of the game. 
Oh, was that a touchdown drive? I knew they scored. I couldn't remember if it was a field goal it or was, a touchdown. Yep. So that that drive was that drive was that dropped pick. Actually, I had a lot of I had a lot of notes on it. I want to because that drive there was a lot of instances where it kind of felt like they could have gotten off the field there. So there was that one St- Stutzman. I mean, he was in position to make the play. He had a really nice drop into his zone coverage there, kind of getting underneath the route. And yeah, Lee, all all ten of his fingertips touched the ball. You got to catch that. You got to catch it. Oof. And he, he, he just didn't. And so um, and then the very next play after that, Lee, they got David Igwebu isolated in, in space against the running back. And he looked really, really slow trying to run him down into the flat, got around them. They were to get uh, they were able to get a, a first down after that. And then it was kind of that drive is when they really started to aggressively go after those hitches in the slot that OU was getting that OU was giving them. And so. It was just a go back. I want you to go back. That's that's actually that's the first defensive drive of the second quarter, Lee. I that's that's the most frustrating drive. That's that's their worst defensive drive of the game for sure. And there was also a lot of Kendall Dennis and Trey Morrison on that drive too. And I think there was some correlation with UTEP being able to move the ball there as well. Interesting. Yeah, they did play a lot of players. Uh, Brent Venables talked about how I can't remember the exact number. Uh, he, he said they played like 60 or 62 guys and he wanted to play more and he was asked if that was heat related or whatever and Venables to know that that was their plan going in and, and so did I mean Lebby and Roof echoed that so I mean I'm sure the heat had something to do with it too I mean it uh, that's a big storyline as well we were talking about it before we push play or before we push record that I mean it, it was hot out there uh, it was uh, you know, it's a lot more hot. Uh, it's it's a lot hotter if you got pads on. And you're playing the game than it is. I'm sure you know, be around the sidelines without pads on. So, uh, especially considering the defense was out on the field for, I mean, double the amount of time as the offense, and that's something we can talk about uh, as we go on in this podcast. Lot. Yeah, UTEP ran yeah. like 85 plays. It's a lot. And the whole thing with with uh, Jeff Lebby's offense, right, is that he runs a lot of plays. Ole Miss ran a lot of plays. UCF, you know, they run 80 to 90 plays and. Uh, UTEP ran way more plays than Oklahoma did on Saturday. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of have the game up right now, honestly, and I just watched Stutzman drop a pick. Uh, let me see. Slow motion replay. Oh, yeah, you got to catch that ball. You have yeah, just you, you have got to absolutely. There's a there's a play in the third quarter as well that uh, that Bowman knocks down that he goes up with one hand. And if he goes up with two hands, it's an easy pick. And that, just stuff like that is... You know, hopefully that's stuff that they just they just start making those plays if they put themselves in position enough to do it. But um, I don't know. It's 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 kind of frustrating that that is a, that's a consistent theme going forward. Because yeah, Lee, if you take out that one drive, UTEP's one touchdown drive, OU's defense played pretty well in this game. They really did, especially considering I thought you know Gavin Hardison, UTEP's quarterback, uh, played really well. I mean, there there were instances where he just I mean he was making some nails throws. Uh, yeah, he uh, he definitely played a little bit better than he played against North Texas, at least by his his stats. He did. Uh, so he had he against North Texas, though. I, we didn't really bring this up. He had two really long touchdown passes that were dropped by his receivers against North Texas. Oh, that's right. I remember one of them. Uh, but so uh, the next play after the Stutzman dropped uh, inter drop pick uh, was not the you mentioned it was like a uh, isolation on Guaybu. It wasn't that it was uh, you know, the Hardison through. Far side of the field for like it might have been the longest play of the game actually. Uh, let's see. Oh, is that where where they go, where he goes over Dennis in front of Morrison? Yeah, again, uncover yeah. two. 
Yeah, so I'm watching this play, and it looks like Dennis is playing cover two, and so is Morrison, but it doesn't make any sense. Dennis lets the receiver go behind him, which would make sense in cover two if there is somebody flashing in the flats because as, as a cornerback in cover two, you're responsible for the flats. Uh, and But you carry your receiver as far as you can if there's nobody else in the flats. There's no running back coming out in the flats, so Dennis needs to carry this receiver farther down the field. He does that. He's not open. So this is just a... This is a, I mean, uh, I, I, I also said this is, an, this is a speedy Lee, Alex Grinch mistake, but that's, that's kind of not fair. It is. I, I don't know. There's not a, there's not every quarterback on their, uh, on their schedule can make that throw either. I mean, maybe, but I, I don't overrate that. I mean, it's, no, it's a I'm good not, throw, I, I'm but. not. It was, he clear, it, Kendall Dennis clearly made a cut. He got confused, clearly, clearly. I mean, even after his, his body language after that play as well, I'm just saying, that's yeah I mean, he uh, yeah I don't know I mean it looks like they're I mean based on where he is and where Trey Morrison is there looks like they're playing cover two I'm looking at the other side of the field this is great podcasting by the way yeah there looks like they're playing cover two and he needs to carry that receiver farther and that throw it's a good throw but it made it easier because the guy flashed wide open so he doesn't you know if, if Dennis carries him more he doesn't flash wide open maybe he doesn't make that throw agreed maybe he does like, make that I, I throw agree. and Dennis makes a play on the ball I just, yeah, I, I, I don't think we should underrate that that's like a 45-yard throw by Hardison, and he kind of did it on a line. I, sure. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm annoyed by the, the breakdown in coverage. You got you to gotta know that. You got to be better than that. I mean, Dennis is a guy that's been on campus, this is his second or third year. Third, I mean, it's, he's third like year. A, no, he's I like mean, a that's, a, that's an easy, yeah. yeah. If they're playing cover two there, that's easy. You don't, you, you've. You you definitely drop along with that with with that uh, receiver if there's no one in the flats, and so hopefully that's stuff that's ironed out. But was it the play after that where Aguebu got got isolated in space and he just he just looks slow, just looks slow, slow, uh, slow. Next play was a run for two yards. Maybe you need to take better notes, man. <laughs> I don't. I'm not seeing the next play has nothing to do with David Aguebu. That must happen later on. Uh, but anyways, this is not this is not good podcasting. Me just going through the game live as I'm watching it. Uh, I I do want to uh, bring. I mean, I did take a bunch of notes on the first quarter. I don't know how, how beneficial that is, but I guess it'll bring up a couple of prompts. I mean, uh, you know, offensively, let's start with that. I mean, on the offensive line, you talked about Wanya Morris wasn't going to play, so that's what happened. Wanya Morris wasn't available after the game. Brent Venable said that they're quote working through some things with him off of the field. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, no timetable given by Brent Venables. They're hoping they can get taken care of that. I think I can't. I think he might have said this uh, this next week, maybe. And uh, I, I don't know. So we'll see what happens with Juan A. Morris. Uh, so, but it was kind of interesting though because uh, Anton Harrison started at right tackle, and Tyler Guyton moves over to left tackle. And you know, on the depth chart, I believe wasn't Guyton behind Harrison at left tackle. So. They clearly felt more comfortable moving Harrison to right and just leaving Guyton where he's been playing at left tackle. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of the interesting thing is that Harrison, he's been at left tackle, but he starts the game at right tackle. Grant, did you have any thoughts on on that situation? I mean, it surprised me. I, I wasn't expecting that. It doesn't like it. It makes sense from the, you know, from the standpoint of you want Anton Harrison protecting his blind side, I suppose, but also, you know, left and right tackle are different. You have to, you have to kick off in different directions. And I know for offensive linemen, sometimes that's difficult. Uh, maybe not so, maybe not as much for, for Anton Harrison, but, uh, 
you know, I, I didn't I didn't really see any issues with that. There were definitely some glitches in the offensive line and, and protection. Um, the early sack, or I, on the very first play of the game where they tried to take a shot to Mims, it was Matire who who kind yeah. of busted on, on protection. Um, and then Aaron Parks uh, busted on protection later in the game that that caused a sack. Him and, and Major not chipping a guy as well caused a sack. Other than that, those are really the only major glitches I saw on the offensive line. Um, I don't know, but I, I also don't really think that UTEP was was posing much of a threat there as well. So I, I you know, sure. to me that's just kind of a uh, we'll we'll wait and see until really they play Kansas State. I, I think is the first time they're really going to be challenged in the trenches. Yeah, I noticed that too. Real quick, I, I think what that tells us on the offensive line. Uh, you know, all of the stuff with Anton Harrison, it, it, obviously it was a situation where Brent Venables just didn't mention Anton Harrison a few weeks ago because he's their best offensive lineman. And I think them moving him to right is confirmation that, yeah, this is our best guy. Uh, Guyton is more comfortable at left right now. So we're confident that Harrison will be able to be just fine at right tackle. So we'll just move him over there for now uh, since Guyton's comfortable at left tackle. And as you mentioned, with a left-handed quarterback, in a way, like playing right tackle is kind of like playing left tackle with a traditional quarterback because of the left-handed Dylan Gabriel. So he's protecting his blind side. So that, to me, that was a confirmation that, yep, Anton Harrison is just fine. He's their best offensive lineman. And you mentioned the first play of the game. I saw that, too. I made a note of Mataller just uh, kind of whiffing and, and letting the defensive tackle get by him. And that probably forced Dylan Gabriel to make that throw to Mims earlier than he wanted to. It wasn't a great throw at all. Uh, and it's too bad because if he had a little bit more time to throw, maybe Mims gets more separation and the throw is better and it's a touchdown. I mean, Mims was or, open. Yeah, I mean, he was open kind of at the last second. He kind of got behind him. I think when uh, Gabriel made the throw, he wasn't necessarily open. It, it's too bad, though. I mean, obviously, it was a pre-planned shot play that they wanted to get Mims going right away and get the crowd excited. I get it. I get it. I think they did that in the spring game, too. They, they went and tried to get Mims going right away. The problem is it's too bad that Dylan Gabriel, you know, didn't, you know, his cool, calm self, he didn't think, all right, I'm going to go ahead and check down here to, to Eric Gray, who was wide open in the flats and scores a touchdown if he just would have done that. There was nobody within 15 yards of him. <laughs> that, like, he had a touchdown to Eric Gray, but I get it. It's the first play of the game. You're, you're trying to take a shot. Um, and also, again, Mattire whiffing on that guy, it, it, it made it to where he didn't have as much time as he would have liked to have. So those are the kind of the thoughts I had from that early first play. Yeah, uh, the but then, first, you know, they... Yeah. I was going to say, the first sack that Gabriel took in the game, too, after they were already up 21 to nothing, he totally misses a wide-open Braden Willis on a crosser on that play as well. So there's, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there was... Gabriel left a lot of yards on the field, I thought. A lot, maybe, is, is being unfair. But in sort of, like, when you run, when you run, you know, plays that quickly, it, I mean, it, it maximizes your mistakes. I mean, big time, I feel like. And it's his, you know, you, you can't miss a wide open guy and take a sack like that. But it's first game of the season and, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of plays, a lot of games left. But uh, we're kind of we're kind of going kind of grab bag here, aren't we? What do you think of I, I noticed Lee on the very first play and Jalil Farouk did not start. Drake Stoop started. Oh, yeah. I mean, that the receiver rotate, I, I don't that. Right now, that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I, we know who the top four guys are. Like the, the only thing that was kind of surprising is that, you know, Theo Weiss didn't really get involved until kind of later in the game. And it's almost like they had to force feed him the ball. And honestly, that, I guess that, that's, a, that's a thing I was looking for. They didn't really pepper 
Mims, Weiss, Farouk with a bunch of targets like I thought they would. And so, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good transition, Grant. So, you know, this offense with Jeff Levy, one, I expect him to, to run the ball a whole lot. Honestly, I don't think they ran the ball as much as I thought they would. No. Uh, you look at the box not. score. You look at the box score, and they ran it more than they threw it. But it, it didn't – I mean, a lot of that was late in the game when they were running the clock out, and there's a lot of rushing attempts. It, it seemed like they were kind of trying to throw the ball a lot more than I anticipated. Uh, and also, I was, you know, expecting a lot of – a lot of Marvin Mims and a lot of Jaleel Farouk and Theo Weiss. And, I mean, Dylan Gabriel only threw it 23 times. Uh, and they were and all, I mean, they were all, and, and you know, all is maybe being unfair, but this is something that I noticed re-watching it. These were all shot plays, and they were all, they were all one read, I'm going to this guy no matter what plays. And so, I mean, if you go, go and look at, at kind of that RPO look that they showed maybe about three or four times to Drake Stoops. Lee, you watch that? Theo Weiss and Marvin Mims are not running routes. They're not doing anything. They're just out there basically out of the play trying to get people away from the middle of the field. And so that was happening a lot in this game. Where And so I think that's one of the things that we really need to watch going forward. I don't really like that that much because what happens when they take it away? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, and uh, you know, maybe were we talking about this before the podcast? How, or no, I think you maybe mentioned it a moment ago. You know how how much of this was OU's not going to show a whole lot. We know Levy's system is quick. It's 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 kind of I mean, for lack of a better term, compared to Lincoln Riley's system, it's more it's simple. Uh, there's not a whole lot of thinking, but also how much of of this is just they're not going to give everything away. And Jeff Levy has said in the past that. You know, they adjust game to game. You know, he likes to make adjustments to his offense. We know Brent Venables adjusts game to game. And even after the game, Brent Venables said, hey, you know, come Monday, we're going we're gonna to break this whole thing down and start over again. We're going to build this thing up again because the great teams, every single week you got to kind of start over and go on to the next game and do it all over again. And, you know, obviously you can't just start over everything. That's, that's, that's not really what he means. But in terms of like, okay, new opponent, here we go. Uh, our goal was to win the game this week. Now our goal is to win the game this week. And what are we going to do against this opponent? That's different. And so, I don't know, maybe what we saw on Saturday. I mean, that's their offense. But, you know, I'd like to think that we're going to see some adjustments, some changes, some new I wrinkles think we are moving too. forward. I think we are. Yeah. And this is it's a game to. where you go back and rewatch it. Oh, you pretty much got whatever they wanted on the ground the entire game. There was really no... If 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 they if they would have just if they just kind of would have been um, been aggressive and just keeping the ball on the ground, pounding it between the tackles the entire game, you probably wouldn't have had those glitches that they had on those two second quarter drives. They probably would have been a little bit more consistent. But I I mean they were clearly trying to take shots, you know, at, at times it, as well too. So we'll see. I don't know. I I guess that's a good transition. What do you think about Eric Gray? I thought Eric Gray looked really good. Yeah, I thought he looked good. Um, I, you know, the he had the long run early, and then he had the uh, he had the long kind of catch. And by, by the way, so Eric Gray looked good. Uh, one of the things you were watching for going into this game was explosion, and there was a lot of explosion early in the game. They had a lot of explosive plays. Yeah, they scored twenty one points uh, in their first like sixteen plays of the game. And there was that. Uh, you know, there was a. I had, I had in my notes here. I think it was the second scoring drive where they had three straight explosive plays. They had the, the gray run. Uh, I think they had a Mims catch and run and then a gray catch and run. Um, so I, 
explosive play. And then obviously the Gavin Freeman explosive touchdown run um, as well. So really great uh, individual play by Gavin Freeman. But but you asked about Eric Gray. I mean, I yes, you, you look good. I honestly don't have many thoughts about Eric Gray. I I didn't. Uh, I mean, I look at his numbers. His numbers look good. But aside from the long run and like the catch and run in the first quarter, he to me didn't really do much else after that. So tell me where I'm wrong on that. Like what, what did I what did I? He miss? did exactly what he was supposed to do in this. So here here's the deal. Eric Gray is not a particularly explosive player. I, I don't think. There, I don't think you're going to see a ton of 50 and 60 yard runs out of Eric Gray this year, but he did exactly what he needed to for this offense. And I just, I just don't think this offense lead, even even if Marcus Major and Javante Barnes are back there, is just not going to produce a ton of explosive runs between the tackles. Even when Art Bryles and Baylor were humming with this thing, that they weren't getting a ton of explosive runs either. If you like, you want to stay, you want to, you want to stay kind of within that that four to six yard sweet spot every single time. And I thought Eric Gray was really good at that because the whole point is just you have to have a threat there for the RPO and for the shots that you want to take down the field. And man, and then you add in Eric Gray's ability to catch the ball, which I think is actually really good. I, I think he's exactly what you need for this offense. I. I wish he was more explosive, but that's just not who he is, unfortunately. But I think for what he is, I think he's exactly what they need. Okay, I mean, and he averaged six point four yards per carry, so that's that's really good. Uh, on that, and not a single and negative rush either. Go go look at OU stats. He did not have a single rush where he lost yardage, and that is important. Very good, very very good. I I just want to point out briefly the the play where he did have that catch, and I can't remember how how like you know thirty yards or whatever in the first quarter. Really unique formation. They had a, a quad a quad receiver set to the boundary, to the short side of the field. Uh, and the offensive line blocked that really well. That allowed Gray to flash wide open. Oh, 24 yards on the catch. So uh, that's kind of like a unique formation you don't see every day. I mean, four receivers to the boundary. That was weird. But, uh, I mean, it worked. And uh, that play was ended with um, Braden Willis's touch, first touchdown catch of the game. I really love that play call. Uh, in, I, they're in the gonna. Quarter. I kind of feel like they're gonna score a lot of touchdowns on that play this year. That play's really tough to defend. Yeah, and what makes it difficult to defend is the the great run action in the backfield. I mean, they had Cade, uh, they had McCade Matower pull around, simulating a, a run play. They had the RPO with Marcus Major in, and so everybody bit up. And great job by Gabriel, just kind of feathering it over top of the safety to a wide open Braden Willis. So very nice. Very nicely executed play there to make it fourteen to nothing. That was uh, one of my takeaways, Lee. It's pretty rewatching the game and even live. I was. It's really easy to envision Braden Willis having a pretty big year this year. They used him a lot. I don't even recall. I'm sure it happened, but I don't recall a whole lot of Daniel Parker. I mean, Braden Willis. He, was, was in the he game didn't a dress. Lot. He was hurt. He's hurt. Hmm. Okay. Well, I would explain it then. <clears throat> You mentioned like how about more on Gabriel? Let's let's talk more about Dylan Gabriel. I I, I left the game thinking that he was just kind of a whole lot of meh. I mean, like he had some nice plays, but didn't really like jump off the field at me, you know, through my camera lens. And look at his numbers. His numbers aren't bad. I mean, he his numbers are actually pretty good. I, I mean, he didn't throw it that much. Didn't have that many yards passing. Two thirty three couple of touchdowns did run for a touchdown which actually give him credit for that I mean first touchdown of the game Grant I mean that was a pretty athletic touchdown run pretty nifty certainly run. more ath- 
pretty certainly more athletic than anything we saw from Spencer Rattler last season. So that's at least an upgrade. Obviously, he's not Caleb Williams, but uh, so that was nice. I mean, I think QBR is a terrible stat. Doesn't matter, but his QBR was 71 out of 100. What I put more stock into actually is just the traditional quarterback rating, and his quarterback rating for that game was pretty good. He was at 179. That's really good. Uh, so, I, I mean, statistically, he played pretty well. I was surprised that he only took two sacks. It seemed like he took way more than two sacks. Uh, so I, that was kind of a, a bit surprising to me. But uh, he, he had one interception wiped away by a penalty. Uh, I didn't see that replay. I don't know if that was a good call or a bad call or if he got bailed out or not. But I thought he uh, got I mean, bailed out. Something on to that. build on. I thought that okay. was a really bad route by Jalil Farouk. I thought it was kind of an iffy P.I. call, and it was a really bad decision from Gabriel. Well, maybe it was somewhat of a, uh, a I don't want to say makeup call because Danny Stutzman got called for a P.I. in the first quarter. And it was a bad I th- call. Oh, I, no, I, I think it could have gone either way. I think it could have been a no call or technically a P.I. So, you know, if the officials, maybe they, were, they had a long memory and they thought, ah, maybe we shouldn't have thrown the flag there. All right, let's make up for it here when Oklahoma turned the ball over. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever that third quarter. I thought the PI on Stutzman was pretty soft. In fact, it wasn't PI. The the only thing they could have called there was holding. Um, but it was a split. Yeah. It was a split second. I mean, it was a split second. The ball was not in the air yet. Um, I, yeah, really I mean, bad. It, it was a bad call. You you, you got to let it, that go. I I feel like that's what I say. It could have gone either way because I think by the letter of the law, I think it, something was there. But you see a lot of physical teams and they let that stuff go and. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So offensively we've hit on the, the running. I mean, well, I let guess me go back. Let Eric me go Ray. back. I, I want to go back to Gabriel cause I haven't, I, I oh, haven't, okay. go ahead. Um, I'm, I, I kind of share your, my, my biggest concerns, you know, from watching this game is Dylan Gabriel. Um, to me live watching it live. And this was confirmed rewatching it. He just, he feels a little limited to me, a, a little limited. Um, especially if his number one read is taken away. I mean, especially if that's the case, you can tell that I, I just I, I think his his field vision is is lacking at least based off this one game. If that if that number one read is taken away, and man, this is an offense that's built on that number one read being there a lot of the time. And so you go back to when he struggled at UCF. It was against those good defenses like BYU and Cincinnati that would take away the the long deep shots, play man coverage aggressive on their outside receivers, take away his number one read, and he would kind of have he'd kind of crap down his leg a little bit. So I, you know, I hope they can get that out of him a little bit, but I, I'll, Hey, I, I liked, I liked the, you know, the, the touchdown run he had. You're right. He showed a little bit of athleticism that I didn't realize that he had. It's nice to put that on tape just to put that into the back of a defender's mind. But man, I just, if it's third and 10 and the defense knows that OU is throwing and, Dylan Gabriel's got to sit in the pocket and find an open receiver. I don't. I don't know if he can do that. Yeah, I. You know, I share a lot of your thoughts. I. He, he doesn't have a very strong arm. Uh, his arm's not. The ball doesn't really jump out of his arm. His arm his looked hand. pretty pretty weak uh, yesterday. It looked pretty weak. He, I mean, sure he can he can throw the ball down the field, but there's not a whole lot of oomph on it. Uh, and that's. I mean, that's where he's limited. His he's just his his arm strength just didn't didn't particularly anything flashy. Um, yeah, but my, he takes I, shots. His it, best, like, like he's his yeah. best comp. Lee after is his best comp is Josh Heupel with with, and he's probably about three or four inches shorter. <laughs> he's got he's got a better arm than Josh did, I think. Uh, but uh, I mean, Josh's arm wasn't great, and, and but he he was such a pinpoint accurate thrower. Well, 
I bet you look, look back at his numbers. His numbers probably aren't as good as I would think they are. But I know uh, his Josh Heupel's numbers were positively pedestrian. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it's it's funny how like you know it's easy to to comp him to, to Heupel, but I think it's it's not a crazy comp, and it's just the last guy that was a lefty at Oklahoma weirdly is kind of similar. But like I mean, look at so, the yeah. <laughs> look at those deep balls, man. They look I mean almost look exactly the same coming out of the coming out of the hand. I mean it's. Yeah. Which is I, I could see it. I mean, he's he does have some touch on those deep balls for sure. That I mean, if, if they if they can spring some receivers and get open, like I could see him just hucking bombs for sure the entire season. But it's gonna I mean, it's gonna really rely on how well they're able to run the ball. I think I I, I don't know if I I just don't know based off that one game. There's enough there for me to be like ah you know I I don't know if they're ready to just bomb away on everybody just with talent and speed and athleticism. No. No, they're they're not, and you know. Here's the thing: we're so used to elite quarterback play at Oklahoma, and we've had we've seen Baker Mayfield in the last six years. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, Jalen Hurts. Even though I, I'm not as high on Hurts as you are, but I mean, he he was a guy that played really really well. Obviously, Spencer Rattler in 2020 played really well, and then whatever that was in 2021, followed by Caleb Williams, who he had stretches of elite play, a couple of instances where it was pedestrian. He was a freshman. But for the most part, we've seen elite play. And now Dylan Gabriel, he's certainly not up to the same level as a lot of those guys. He's he's he, we think he's going to be better than Rattler was a season ago. And by the way, I I didn't I, I did see I think South Carolina did they did they win? I I, I don't know how they now, won, no. but uh, they won, but not uh, very impressively. And Rattler was not great. So yeah, let's. I apologize for even bringing that up because I don't want to get away from what we're talking about yet. Uh, but you know Gabriel is a guy that yeah it's it's fair to be kind of like okay he played okay he played well I guess but he needs to be better he needs to improve upon and so if you're a little bit skeptical about Gabriel moving forward if your if your thoughts about Oklahoma this year are something like I want this team to be a playoff contender if that's what you want for this team and, and obviously we all want that I just don't know if they're there yet then he's got to be a lot lot better now if your thoughts are ceiling big 12 champion okay like Certainly, what he did on Saturday should be probably good enough for that, depending on how the defense shakes out and how things kind of go. But still, he's got to get better. Uh, and that's kind of where we are. Speak, uh, do you have any other Gabriel thoughts? Because I, I do want to move on. We're th- kind of thinking about things that maybe be concerning. There's obviously another thing about the offense that, that we've talked about a lot going into the game that we can get hit on. But any other thoughts on Gabriel? No, I mean, I think we're just – it's. Like I said, I mean, before the season started or, or in the offseason, I said, hey, I, I think there's he's going to have a lot of games where he throws for a ton of yards and for a ton of touchdowns. Uh, but I, I, it's pretty easy for me to see him having some games where he's just not on at all and the other team sort of diagnoses everything that he wants to do and he struggles. And this game did not really, you know, dislodge me from that viewpoint at all. Okay, the next thing, and we brought it up over and over and over again, the tempo. The, the fast offense, and I mean, sure looked great, 21 nothing, but I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear there's, there's evidence on Saturday that the tempo, the, the offense going as fast as possible, uh, there's some good things about it, but, but you know, there are downsides, man, and, and the defense was on the field. I mean, it was like 2-1 to one time of possession, UTEP to uh, OU in 98-degree heat. Uh, that's, that's not sustainable. For the year, that's not sustainable for a team that's going to want to try to win 10, 11, 12 games. It just, it just doesn't seem sustainable. And so, uh, 
we were texting yesterday and you made the point and you can expand on it here like they need to pick and choose like where they go and I, you've been saying that all throughout the offseason right yeah I, I just I I understand the why you would want to be going this fast it, it's difficult to defend but it really does put a lot of pressure on the offense to not I don't know if perfect is the right word but it puts a lot of pressure on the offense to not make mistakes and you saw in especially in those two second quarter drives where they where it kind of felt like they allowed UTEP back into the game, it was because they were moving too fast and they were making mistakes. So the first punt, Lee, the first they, they got into third and one and they're going really, really fast. They're about to get their third play off in like 35 seconds. And false start. False start pushes them back to third and six. And that just kind of mm-hmm. throws off the entire the entire mojo. And then I I believe it's a it was a um um, I believe the the third and sixth play, it was a pass to the running back in the flat that was batted down by a blitzer. Um, and there you go. They had the ball for less than than a minute, and they're already punting it back. And you got UTEP with a bunch of momentum, or at least more momentum, and that's I, I'm pretty sure that was UTEP's first score after that. Um, their first touchdown after that, that is. And then the same thing happens on the next drive when they get it back. They just go out, and it's three straight passes. Three straight passes, and they're all incomplete. They're going for they're they're yeah. just going for shots. One is kind of a long crosser to Jalil Farouk where he's double covered and it's just not a very accurate throw from 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 Gabriel. And the third down pass on that on that series, he has Weiss. He has Weiss on a corner route. It's third and fifteen, and he just airmails it. He just misses him. He's and he's he's got to make that throw. And I'm just saying, it was the tempo that made it. That just it it shrinks everything down. It makes your margin of error a lot smaller. Everything is great when it's rolling, it's rolling, but as soon as you make a mistake, man, it gives an opening to the defense. You're just like, oh, they broke serve. And I just, I don't like it. It feels gimmicky. It feels really, really gimmicky. When you're going really fast like that, I just think it's much more advantageous to pick your spots and to keep the defense on its heels and not know when you're going to pull that out of your back pocket. I I just, I don't like like it. Much like the 2008 offense with Kevin Wilson and Sam Bradford. The thing with the 2008 offense, though, Lee, is that the 2008 offense was much more multiple. They could do way more stuff than this offense can. The 2008 offense offense could could go really fast, could be in I formation, and then then two plays later could be in 10 personnel. Well, I mean, that's just... That that was a style, though. I mean, they have the personnel to do that. That's just not in Jeff Levy's DNA. He didn't have any I formation in his DNA. That's just not what he does. Uh, I mean... so I, but that offense. I guess in that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The 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 tempo feels like a gimmick when you sure. can't do other things. When you can't just line up and beat people. That's what it felt like. The reason why the 2008 offense was so devastatingly is because they could just line up and beat people. Yeah. With any sort of formation, I don't know if this offense can do that. No, no, and I don't know if we're gonna get a chance to see it because it, again, it, it's just not. This offense is not going to. Going to I going to under center on the I formation. That's just not what it does. It's, it's it does what it does. I mean, uh, time of possession, by the way, thirty eight to twenty two, roughly. Um, that's it's not ideal. Uh, but at the same time, though, I mean, OU did OU did average eight point one yards per play, which is really good. I mean, over eight yards per play. UTEP only averaged three point nine. That's that's kind of surprising to me. I, I figured it'd be a little higher than that. So. Those raw stats are, are pretty darn good. Um, UTEP, you know, 33% on third down, 
that's actually pretty good defensively for OU. Uh, OU wasn't that great on, on – oh, OU was almost 50% on, on third down, which actually isn't that bad, but they only had eight third down opportunities. Um, and, I mean, as much as we're going to – like, we're just pointing it out. Like, just keep it in mind. The offense, it's good. It moves the ball. But we're kind of skeptical about the style, about where they are. I mean, they had the ball – OU had the ball ten times, and – they scored seven out of ten times, Grant. I mean, six touchdowns, one field goal. I mean, that's that's pretty efficient. But Jeff Levy after the game said, "Not efficient enough. Not good enough." <laughs> you know, he's you know always wants to be better. But, but I also uh, don't yeah, feel like kind of something to watch for. I, I you know, I wish they would have done more along the lines of you know throwing the ball kind of equal to the line of scrimmage, getting the ball out to space to the receivers. I wish they would have done that stuff more instead of taking the shots downfield, which I can see. I mean, UTEP came out and they were playing man coverage across the board. So I, I understand why OU was like, yeah, let's let's take shots. But I don't know. A, a part of me just would have, would have, would have hoped they would have been more like, ah, eh, let's just kind of line up and beat these guys because they could have. All right, let's close the book on the offense for now. Three-word reviews might jog our memories or help us out with other offensive stuff. Anything else on the defense? I know we kind of jumped around a little bit. I, I do want to highlight uh, Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis looked really good in the first quarter. He made a really nice play on a TFL, uh, made another nice play holding up a, a pass catcher that Jonah Laulu was able to finish off. But, but to, you know, to be fair, Davis did miss a, a tackle that led to a first down conversion or a led third down points. conversion, uh, which did lead, lead to points. But, you know, I, it was good to see uh, Jaden Davis playing well. I, I do want to, again, I, I've only rewatched the first quarter, so these are just first quarter thoughts. I want to highlight Reggie Grimes. He looked really good. There was a play where Reggie Grimes uh, identified a wide receiver screen and was able to stop his rush and get into the passing lane, which forced Hardison to throw the ball away. It was a really smart, heady play, showing awareness. And again, re-watching in the first quarter, I haven't seen the whole game, but I got the sense from this defense. The tackling, for the most part, looked really darn good. Uh, they, they looked like they knew what they were doing for the most part, and they looked like they were smart. And talking to Dean, and this is something that, you know, I didn't think about much, but it's worth noting just because of how certain things went the last few years and how we kind of make fun of certain guys. There wasn't any like guys, you know, incomplete pass. You didn't see any defensive backs, you know, waving their arms incomplete, incomplete. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. Or like big time guys like just I'm the best guy ever. I'm so like hot dogging around. And like it's kind of like a an old person thing to say. But I, I think it's actually important because this. This team, since Brent Venables got here, has been all about the team, not about the individual, about the team. And I didn't see any sense of uh, on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, of just like, I'm bigger than the team. And we saw a decent amount of that in the last regime where, you know, I'm, I'm super cool. I'm more important than everybody else. And I, I do think that kind of stuff can snowball and it, it leads to negative things. So that was something that stood out to me is that it, as a team, they played great team defense. They played pretty good team offense, and uh, they got 1-0. And after the game, Joshua Eaton was running around. Uh, I can't remember if it was Joshua Eaton. It, I think it was Joshua Eaton. He was telling every, anybody on the field, like, we won the first one. We got that first game. Like, and the, the thought was, like, not looking ahead. Their goal this week was to go 1-0, and we went 1-0. 
and the goal next week will be go to, go to one and zero. And I kind of it, it comes off to me more about everything they said about team, team, team. It wasn't just smoke in game one. It, it, it seemed like that was what it was in game one. It wasn't just all talk. They actually did it with their actions on the field. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, that wasn't a huge, uh, I suppose, just outside of the tack. I mean, the, the Jaden Davis missed tackle on that third and 10, that was really the only missed tackle that I remember. I suppose uh, Igwebu missing one, grabbing at the guy's ankles when he was in space. Um, I... I yeah, I, I guess, yeah, you bringing up the whole, you know, that, that's maybe just a you thing. I, I didn't, that wasn't a huge, um, a huge takeaway for me. But um, one big takeaway for me, and this is, this is maybe a, this is maybe some more evidence that they were really, really vanilla and trying not to show anything. Um, I know, like, for all the talk about the cheetah position, what it is, man, Deshaun White was playing nickel last night or yesterday afternoon. That's the position that he was playing. Deshaun White was their nickelback yeah. yesterday. That, you know, I that is not going to be okay moving forward. And so I hope that's not their ace in the hole. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he looked like he could move pretty well. Like he looked like a different player, man. Like he looked like a defensive back sometimes to me, honestly. Uh, like they they uh they weren't like you know, third down and long obvious passing situations. You think, "Okay, this is when they bring in their fifth defensive back, maybe you bring in Justin Harrington." Nope, they were they were sticking with Deshaun White. And, you know, I, I didn't see anything, at least in my rewatch of the first quarter. He looked fine. I, I didn't see anything that looked like a problem. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't play a linebacker as a defensive back for the entirety of the year, you would think. Because I'm just – I don't know. I mean, yeah. And so I'm, I'm just saying. So I watched uh, – and I, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves right now. I watched Washington and Kent State, uh, Kent State last night. And Kent State has a receiver who is absolutely going to get drafted. Uh, Dante Cephas and I could easily see them trying to get that dude lined up with Sean White in the slot and any I mean any any offensive coordinator worth his salt is going to do that so I don't know I, I just think going forward that's probably something that they're going to have to have and I know Justin Harrington and Justin Harrington is the is the solution there I just I but we didn't see Justin Harrington except just kind of in mop-up duty and so I thought that was kind of interesting um I'm Deshaun White's your nickel as of right now, and they're they're going to play a lot of teams this year, Lee, that are kind of playing air raid, a lot of ten personnel, a lot of a lot of spread you out, and I I don't I don't know if that's gonna you know I, I don't know if that's gonna gonna be great for OU going forward, but you know we'll see. So how about this? Uh, R. Mason Thomas was getting snaps in the first quarter, and you talked about him a little bit the last time out. Uh, his size, he's wearing number thirty-two out there, Grant. He kind of looks like DTY. <laughs> His size kind of looks like DTY's out there playing uh, defensive end, uh, but he ended up getting a, he, he got a half sack I think with Reggie Grimes uh, in the first quarter. So he's got I mean, a motor, we'll see how much he plays sure. moving forward. But yeah, he's tiny. Yeah, he's got some really off. small. Let's see. Jordan Kelly had a nice TFL in the first yeah, quarter I thought, that I noticed. Me, I just want to go back because while I was watching, the three guys that stood out to me the most on the defense were Jordan Kelly. Uh, Reggie Grimes had a good game, and I thought I thought Billy Bowman just looked different back there, and so I I, I thought it was kind of thought it was kind of surprising that he was a guy while you were watching you thought maybe you weren't you didn't think played all that well. I thought Billy well, Bowman he just, must have done all he must have done all of his damage after the first quarter. I just don't think he did anything in the first quarter. Uh, Billy Bowman just looked different. He just looked like a totally different athlete back there playing that position. 
Uh, wouldn't surprise me if Billy Bowman's the best player on the defense by the end of the season. Well, that'd be very good. All right, we are, uh, man, we've already been doing this for almost 50 minutes. Let's jump into three-word reviews from, we'll start on Twitter, and I'll see if anybody left any on the West of Evers Facebook page at the end here, but uh, credit to you all. You guys all left a lot of really good, or I I should say you guys all left a bunch of three-word reviews here for game one on uh, my Twitter account, at Lee Benson News 9. Let me go ahead and refresh it here to make sure I get all the updated tweets you guys sent. All right, we'll start with a couple of coworkers of mine at News 9. Steve McGeehy says 1 and 0. Oh. Jed Castles and Weather, uh, we'll count this as a three-word review. He says Gavin Freeman, walk on, question mark. Hey, a guy that, uh, guy that the previous staff wasn't interested in and was not going to welcome onto the team. Yeah, it's, you're probably right. I mean, Brent Venable certainly seems more willing to give walk-on type players a, a chance. I mean... A chance. I don't know. I mean, I guess. I mean, not Gavin that Lincoln Freeman's Riley wouldn't. Here. It's just more. They just the previous staff wasn't interested in Gavin Freeman playing for Oklahoma. Anything he was oh, okay. good enough. I got you. I got you. Well, there you go. That's pretty cool. Uh, Roy says relentless, suffocating defense. David Leak. Good to see David back in the three word review replies. High speed offense. Let's see. Val says there's only one. S. Powers is uh, on the same page as me. He says covered the spread. That's what I'm talking about, S. Powers. You're right. They sure did. Uh, although I did, uh, I did see that it, some people got it at 32, which unfortunately you push, but it's better than a loss. That's for sure. Michael says major is decent, and he added you, Grant. I saw you replied to it. So we haven't talked much about Marcus Major. He, he looked okay. Uh, he, a couple touchdowns. He averaged over seven yards per carry. He had one long, nice kind of run. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he looked – he he passed the test, I guess. I, I didn't think he he was anything, like, special, but he wasn't bad. And, I mean, he can improve on that game for sure. Yeah, and, uh, hey, I I think it's by my eyes, yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's going to be more of a threat to break off a long run than Eric Gray is going to be this season. I don't know if he's going to be – I don't know if he's going to be able to do the things that Eric Gray is able to do overall. But he's probably going to be, I, yeah, he's, he's physically much more imposing than Eric Gray is. Um, and I, I was encouraged with what I saw. I, I was encouraged by all the running backs, to be honest with you. I thought that was, I thought pound for pound, that was probably the cleanest position group on the field yesterday. Yeah, Javante Barnes got some garbage time carries, four for 25. Tawi Walker got a couple towards the end there. Uh, when Davis Bevel was in, they were just running the football. Didn't even... Didn't even throw the football one time with Davis Bevel. Didn't even get a chance to watch Davis you know, air it out. It's too bad. All right, Ryan Chapman from the franchise and all sooner says it was hot. <laughs> you know, Ryan was down there with me. I think, I think Ryan was up in the press box, so it wasn't as hot for him, uh, if I'm, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. Mark says, I am optimistic. And you should be. Why not? Uh, I, OU, they... They won by a lot of points. There's a lot of good things. There's some, you know, there's some things to work on, but they know that. And I think Vindable said all the right things in the post game. Alex says, "Smash mouth football." You get a sense, Grant, that the the culture is a little different, or is it too early to tell for, through one game? Too early to tell. But I mean, we we yeah. already know that the culture is different, though. Sure. Bobby says, "Headed right direction." I'd agree. Oki Chris says defense looked organized. 
I hope yeah, so. Yeah, no. I mean, Brent uh, Venables is Brent Venables. No, I will say that there was no point in time on defense where they looked like they were super confused or anything. You know, like looking at the sideline with their arms in the air, like what's going on. <laughs> that didn't happen once. They didn't Mike, take any defensive timeouts special? either. Ooh, yeah, that's good. BW says Danny Hitstick Stutzman. Yeah, so Stutzman had that one pretty big hit, right? I don't think that was the second quarter or third quarter. Yeah, guy still gained Can't four remember. yards. Yeah. <laughs> Sean says finally less anxiety. Yeah, Sean, it was UTEP, man. Uh, wait until they play a little better teams, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, 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 there was a, a quiet confidence of that team, though. I, th- I think on Saturday, which is good. Kind of going through all of them. A lot of them, guys. Great job. Byron says, that's my coach. Uh, Tim says, disappointed in crowd. We were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, uh, before the mics heated up. Uh, the crowd, I think the crowd was fine. I mean, yeah, it, it was hot, I guess, and people left. but Or they at least they, they wanted to seek cover. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just so used to crowds being kind of underwhelming. I, it, to me, it, the, crowd, the crowd was fine. I didn't really think much of it but apparently people noticed and and didn't like the crowd uh what was your interpretation i'm a little more i mean it looked really bad on tv it did um i'm I'm a little more empathetic to the heat though to the heat argument um and we talked about this i I just i I don't think you should be playing games at 230 in oklahoma in september this early in september um but also that's me railing against reality right that's not going to change so but also, I think, you know, the people who are upset about the people leaving because of the heat, I think they're kind of railing against reality, too. I mean, the, the reality is that there are different different people have different levels of heat that they're able to tolerate. And, you know, on the TV broadcast, it was pretty obvious that the shaded parts of the stadium were totally full. Nobody really moved off of those. But the parts of the stadium that were being baked in the sun, it I mean, as 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 it, as we got further from kickoff. Yeah, I mean. Those started to clear out a lot quicker. It did not look good on TV. But also, I mean, it was a big part of the TV broadcast. They kept talking about over and over again how hot it was. They kept showing the thermometer on the stadium. The guys in the press box were saying, gosh, it's hot in here. So, I mean, it was, it's pretty, and I didn't hear Brent Venables complain about it after the game or anything like that. And so, I, you know, I can understand because like, I, I'm there with you. Like if, if I was going to that game, I wouldn't have left. I would have gone prepared. I would have been drinking a lot of water, uh, but also, you know, I'm I'm not everybody. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I have a little just, bit more empathy just for different. The, I, I I just I have a little bit more empathy for the people that were just like, nah, I'm not doing this right now. Uh, heat is dangerous, and sometimes you don't you don't you don't always prepare in the best way possible. And sometimes even when you do prepare, it still it still kills you. And I don't know. I I'm not going to be too upset with people who don't feel like they're stronger than the sun. That's just kind of where I am. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. West of Everest podcast, you know, we're just built different over here. I mean, he didn't bother me that much yesterday. But you know, again, you know, just built different. You know, just peak physical specimen over here. You know, like water here and there, need it, whatever. But hey, you know and what? So, hey, you, like, you guys do you. I, I, this, is, this is totally separate from the – because the, the student section cleared out kind of when the student section always clears out. I'll I'll go in on the student section all day long. You're gonna go to the game as a student. Freaking stay! I like I'm sick of that crap. That stuff is stupid as hell. Especially because Brent Venables, that was a, a a big part of his off season talk. I mean, there's a a long rant he had back during the spring. I remember an answer to the question I had. I can't remember what I asked him, but he ended up going through do a long rant about how every, it's you know everybody 
has to do their part in the program and you got to show up and you got to stay and there's a whole thing. It's pretty good. So, I mean, that's going to be you know, something that the fans definitely need to do their part. And it was hot. Sure. That's fine. Like if it's, uh, you know, not as hot later on and, and people start booking and leaving, then I'll have more of an issue with it. But, uh, but I mean, that's a, that's, that's the thing too. I mean, OU will be playing. I mean, even if, you know, Oh, you'll be playing Kansas State in three weeks, and if they're up by 17 points at halftime, freaking 30% of the student section is going gonna, is gonna to clear out. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, that's, that's something I'll go in on all day long. Those students suck. They shouldn't be going to the games. Give, give, <laughs> give their tickets to people who actually want to be there. All right, more three-word reviews from Twitter. OU Boom says, team looked prepared. I agree. They did. That was good. I mean, you hope they are. I mean, it's the first game of the year. Uh, totally with Christopher here. Christopher says, happy football's back. Um, let's see here. Emery says, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, Cornell says, potential becomes reality. Kind of like that. It's kind of creative. Trying to go through a lot of these guys. Great job. Our friend Harry says, well, uh, Harry, I, oh, Gavin Freeman show. There you go. I, I, I had to go through all of your hashtags, Harry. Thanks for that. Sooner Gal says unity, teamwork, execution. I know Ned likes to live three uh, likes to leave uh, live leave three word reviews a lot. So Ned leaves Marcus Major Beast Mode, Beast Mode one word for him. All right, uh, how about this? Uh, which way do you want to take this three word review from Shane Grant? Shane says vanilla ice cream. <laughs> He's right. Yeah. Do you think that's yeah? Like, what What does he mean by that? Well, I mean, he's just they didn't show a whole lot, and I think it, it was mostly defense. They didn't do anything on defense, really. They they just kind of played shell coverage the entire time, um, and so I think that that's where they were the most vanilla for sure. But on offense, man, I mean, yeah, I I, I can think of two, maybe two or three unique run plays that they ran, um, and then I mean they ran that little RPO pop pass thing to Willis a couple times. A little RPO slant to Drake Stoops a handful of times and a couple of shots, and that was really it on offense. And so, yeah, you hope you see a lot more variety as the season goes on, and you will. Like, for instance, you're going to see a lot more of Dylan Gabriel getting outside the pocket on design stuff, I would assume, which we didn't really see at all in this game. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they just they didn't show a whole lot. I, I wish they would have been able to impose their will a lot more while also not showing a lot, if that makes sense. Okay, so you you thought there he was talking about the actual game. See, I I I figured he just was uh, talking about what he ordered at the snack shop to beat the heat. I thought seriously, oh, you know, how, how many cones did you get? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, come on, just having fun here. <laughs> uh, Chris says swarming to ball. I didn't notice. I mean, it seemed like they they did swarm, but I mean, I mean that that's, the speed D whole idea was like get to the ball, everyone get to the ball. So uh, I mean, I don't think that's that different. Uh, but you gotta make tackles. Uh, Terry, I'm right there with you, Terry. He says, made me money. You know it. Well done. Uh, how about this? Andre says, played 60 minutes. I, even though they were letting the air out of the ball late in the fourth quarter to run the clock out, I, I felt like they did play a full game. Did you? Um, honestly, no. The fourth oh, quarter, okay. both teams wanted to get out of there. Okay. Because like see. I mean they were they took I mean they Gavin Hardison didn't really play at all in the fourth quarter so UTEP put true, all their backups true. in um, no I, I I thought for sure and the, the by by the fourth quarter 
both teams kind of sat on it. We're just like, okay, we're going to take all the time. We're just going to run our base stuff. Let's let's get out of here. This thing's over. And when, uh, right when that happened, Fox was like, oh, crap. Okay, we got to make sure we go to even more commercial breaks because we got to make sure we extend our coverage because they're trying to end this game fast, guys. <laughs> Man, those, those games on Fox take forever. Try to find a couple more here on Twitter. <laughs> Wild Bill says, should have wore sunscreen. <laughs> Um, all right. Hungover Howard Schnellenberger <laughs> uh, uses the uh, a gif from Babe, which uh, the movie about the pig, and he says that'll do, pig. That's I, I like, like we've that had one. that before. That's a good one. That's always. I yeah. hope he. Uh, I hope that's a consistent one throughout the year, man. <clears throat> uh, ben always leaves three word reviews. Ben says defense is real. Almost done with Twitter. Let's do one more on Twitter. B. Tillery, our final one from Twitter, says, no bonehead mistakes. I'd agree with that. Yeah, like yeah, I didn't was, see was any. pretty prepared and played smart. Yep, I, I did not see any just like totally awful, like situational snafus or anything like that. And I'll move over to the West of Everest Facebook page. And... There's uh, you know, four people who have, you know, while we're recording, have been able to leave three-word reviews. We appreciate it, guys. Thanks for jumping in. Tim says, finally, form tackling. Shane, Shane I, I may have said one of yours on Twitter as well, but Shane says, effort much better. Harry jumps in on Facebook as well with the same one from uh, you know, the Gavin Freeman show. Thanks a lot, Harry. And then Brett. Our last one from Facebook says full game effort. So a lot of people commenting on just how the team looked prepared. They play with effort. Kind of the things that we were hoping from a Brent Venables team. And we saw a lot of that in game one. That's good stuff. <clears throat> all right. So that's all for three word reviews. I, I figure I'll throw it over to you, Grant. Uh, you know, we got maybe, I don't know how much more time we have here. I kind of want to get going, uh, get ready for work. But uh, I mean, big college football week, obviously. I unfortunately didn't get a chance, you know, working the game. I, you know, I can't really watch anything else. I kind of followed along as best as possible. But I mean, you had a lot better opportunity to watch more college football. Do you have anything that you want to touch on uh, in the, the the first big college football Saturday around the nation that stood out to you? I, I I'll just I'll say you nailed the uh, Georgia Oregon game. I mean, I was way off on that. And you also nailed the Notre Dame Ohio State game. So uh, good on. I, I guess I don't know what our picks were. I mean, I you went five and zero. Five and zero. I went, you went five, five and zero. Wow, hell of a start. Well, yeah. I mean, I thought it was an interesting day. I um, the eleven a.m. games didn't really have a whole lot other than kind of the 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 showcase of the eleven a.m. of the eleven a.m. games was South Dakota State and Iowa. A seven to three score in which a <laughs> touchdown was not scored. That game was an absolute slow motion car crash it was not watchable i don't know if anybody i don't know if, if anybody follows like the sickos committee on twitter but that game was <laughs> that game was was tailor-made for for sickos i mean it was just it was unwatchable it was terrible and i'm sure iowa will probably will probably physically impose their will on iowa state in a couple weeks and beat them anyway um so that i like that, hate iowa so much i I hate that program. I do too. That is just it's, abominable football. That's it was, and you know, South Dakota State. I know is kind of them and them and North Dakota State are kind of one A and one B of the favorites to win the to win the Natty at, at that level. 
So it's like I, you know, South Dakota State is is probably better than UTEP. In fact, I know that they they almost certainly. Oh are. yeah, oh yeah. But 100%. um, but still, I mean, just it was there was only like two hundred and sixty yards combined in that game, and it was just it was it was gross. It was difficult to watch. Uh, other than that, you know, I hold on real quick, real quick. You said the score right, seven to three. It was seven to three. Iowa didn't score a touchdown. <laughs> Yeah, two safeties and a field goal. They had two safeties and a field goal. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be, okay. That's got to be, I don't know, man. Like, has I was trying to think about this yesterday. Since the invention of the forward pass, is this the first time that a team has got to seven points and just finished the game with seven points but not scoring a touchdown? I don't. Okay, never mind. I there's, don't know about that. I do know that there's nothing there until the last until the last safety to make it seven to three. There was only one other game in the history of football where like the winning team had scored five points, and it was Iowa in two thousand four against Penn State. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're nothing if not consistent. So, uh, but you know, other than that, I, it was it was definitely an interesting day. I, 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 you're right. I guess I did kind of nail the Notre Dame Ohio State game, but my. Um, but my handicap of it was totally wrong. Um, I, I got yeah, you that. You thought wrong. it'd be a lot, like, 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 yeah. You you probably would have bet the over, right? You thought there'd be a lot of points scored. No, no, I, I would have done the under still. Um, I guess, but the reason why the game was so close was because uh, two things. I need to stick with my guns with C.J. Stroud. Um, C.J. Stroud wasn't very impressive. That's why Ohio State struggled, and also Jackson Smith and Jigbo was hurt. So you know that that plays a big part as well. Um, but no, Notre Dame had a really good game plan for, for CJ Stroud and he, he couldn't really adjust all that well. You can see the, you can see the physical ability dripping off of him. He just, I don't know if he has it between the ears though. Um, and also my, you know, my take of Ohio state's defense, not, you know, maybe that being a cultural issue on their part. No, their defense won them the game. So I, I was wrong about that, but, uh, so right, you know, right on on the final, you know, on the final tally of everything, but handicap I got just completely opposite wrong for sure. Hmm. Let's see what else is out there. I mean, obviously a lot going on. Um, the only thing I can really comment on because uh, I saw some highlights and it's you know, we talked about this a lot during the off season. I mean, there's it's not just Oklahoma we're going to be kind of paying attention to this year. We're also going to be interested to see what happens with USC and USC. Blew the doors off of Rice. Uh, all the numbers look great. Only gave up 14 points. Uh, Caleb Williams' stats, you know, they're, they're not like daunting, but they're really efficient. They're great. I mean, uh, they it, it would imagine, it would look like USC can't run the football. Caleb Williams led the team in rushing. Uh, I got this game on my DVR, so at some point I'm going to try to watch some of it. But uh, the, the big takeaway from that, that people, like you texted me, a guy in the, the post game was texting me, USC had three pick sixes in the game. And it's just, okay, you always hear, what was the thing we always heard about with, with Speed D and Alex Grinch? Just takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. And game one, they, they, get three, they get four takeaways from Rice, three pick sixes. And so, of course, I was like, okay, I, I got to see these. I went back and watched the replays of all three of them. Two of the three were Rice pass catchers literally dropping balls right in their hands, getting, like, dropping balls and it being deflected up right into the arms of USC players who were able to easily run for touchdowns. I mean, the first one, Rice was in the red zone, 
And the guy dropped an easy pass that was going to be a first down, set up first and goal. Uh, I think Rice was down 21 to 7. So who knows? Rice could have gone in to make it like 21 to 14. But instead, it's a drop, drop pass, pick six for USC. And so that's great. You know, good for USC. Like they made the plays. But it was like, I don't know, maybe this is a recency bias. But do you recall, Grant, uh, wide open pass catchers dropping balls that were tipped that uh, Trey Brown was able to didn't pluck out of the air and go for six, not just once, but like three times in a game. Like, um, how lucky was USC? Not three times in a game, but I remember that exact thing happening against Texas Tech at Texas Tech the COVID year. Oh, the, the Trey Norwood, yeah. But honestly, like the Trey, like that one you're talking about, it wasn't as easy as, as a catch as the two that happened against Rice in this game. I mean, that was kind of like a high, like RPI throw. Like there was like some traffic and stuff. Yeah, so I, I still should have caught it. I haven't seen. Yeah. I haven't seen any of these. Um, so I have YouTube oh, wow. TV. Okay. The Pac-12 network is not on YouTube TV, so I had no way to watch these games. So I'll, it'll. Uh, I know, it's it's gonna. I'm just gonna have to watch highlights on YouTube in all likelihood. So um, I didn't see any of the game at all. I don't. And honestly, as the ga- as the day was going on, I don't really care. I don't care as much. I do. I think it's super interesting. The, uh, it'll the, be, the third one... It'll be way more interesting. It'll be way more interesting. I mean, they have, USC has three losable games in back-to-back-to-back weeks coming up here. So that's that's we'll what see. I'm more interested yeah. in. They play Stanford, Oregon okay. State, and Fresno State. I will say the, the third pick six, it wasn't a drop pass. It was a you know, good pass rush. The quarterback was scrambling, and he was hit from behind, and he was throwing as he was hit, and so the ball didn't come out clean. And it, it kind of came out wobbly, and there was a linebacker flashing across to just pluck it out of the air and then go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can easily find the highlights, obviously. But, yeah, watch the, the first two pick sixes. You're going to be like, okay. Like, it, it wasn't like an incredible defensive play. It was, it was luck. It was you know, the ball bouncing their way. But, uh, yeah, so good for USC. I mean, if you're a USC fan, you're ecstatic, right? I mean, 66 to 14, offense looked great. Uh, they only, you know, they gave up less than – Two, uh, less than 300 yards of offense to Rice. I'm not sure if Rice is good or not. I, I'm not an expert on that. I mean, I don't know if Rice is the same as UTEP or if worse or better. Who knows? But, I mean, it's a really good start. And you know what? I feel like a moron. I feel like a moron for not betting the over in that game. Obviously, USC was going to put up a lot of points. I, I, the, the total was like 62, 62 and a half. And it being over 60 kind of kind of worried me. It shouldn't have. It shouldn't have. I should have bet that. But I didn't. Uh, okay, so you didn't watch any USC. What other, any other takeaways from college football uh, on Saturday? Uh, just or? The, I mean, the Utah Florida game was just was just an excellent game. Uh, like an actual, like I, I don't know if you saw any of that game, Lee, but um, a really well played game. Like both teams just just kind of left it all out there, and uh, one of those games where you know I, I you know gained a lot of respect for Utah in defeat. I'm kind and based you know watching Oregon lose by 46 points I I'm not really feeling great about my Oregon Pac-12 pick after that um but I I thought Florida looked good Florida looked like they're going to be competitive this season that was just a really good game um and then other than that no I mean I I really I watched a lot of the Washington and Kent State game which I thought was interesting um but of course we can talk about that uh, later this week Man, is Stetson Bennett the Heisman frontrunner right now? Stetson Bennett box is score from yesterday. I, I'm just like wow. I'll, Stetson Bennett is good. Actually, all of the people who are throwing Stetson Bennett out as some like joke of a quarterback, you guys are the jokes. I don't know what you're looking at. 
<laughs> I just, I mean, it looks like he had the best game of his career. Grant, like last season, he was he he was he was good. He was fine. Like he wasn't anything special last year. If if his, I haven't, I didn't see one snap of that game. Uh, what if Oregon's terrible? <laughs> I don't know. Oregon like, might be Oregon's terrible, really but Ste- like it's Stetson Bennett is not some chump at this point in time. And it's like it's the narrative has gotten kind of out of control. It's like and it, it bugs me just because it's not serious. It's a lot of people just not not it's a lot it's a lot of people not believing their eyes and going with narrative instead. Well, what are people saying? Are people saying that he's a bad quarterback? Like he's not yeah, a bad he's quarterback. A, yeah, I think he's yes, of course. There's a lot of people who think he's a bad quarterback and it's absurd. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. OK, that's all I got. Oh, also, another one of my biggest regrets ever is not uh, not betting the over in that North Carolina App State game. I, I was told a couple of days ago that that was a, a, a good play. Uh, the, the the total ticked up like a half point, and I was like, eh. It would. The final score was in the sixties uh, for both teams. App State scoring forty points in the fourth quarter of that game. They scored forty in the fourth. Holy in cow, the fourth quarter. Good for them. And they lost. Good for them. And they, and they <laughs> lost. <laughs> that's that's tough. Yeah, not only did they lose, uh, not, not, not only did they lose, they lost by two, which they were getting two points, so they couldn't even cover. Like, come on, man. Did you see the, it, um, did you see the end of the uh, NC State-East Carolina game? No, no. I saw, I saw NC State got, or no, they, they, did they win? Yeah, they NC won State barely, won 21-20. Right? East Carolina, Lee, they score a touchdown to make it 21 to 20 um, with like two minutes to go in the game and they miss the extra point and they get to stop and get it back anyway. And the kicker gets a second chance and misses a 41 yard field goal to win the game. Oh, no. So isn't NC State kind of the the team that people have seen in the top 25, the top 15 that people are kind of like scratching their heads like, why is NC State that high? And then NC State goes out there in week one and kind of shows all those people that are skeptical of them that they probably are onto something. No, everyone is right? everyone's like, super I'm, high on NC State. They they won they won ten games last year and they returned oh. everyone on their defense, including and pretty much everyone on their offense too. This is the first year they've been ranked in the top twenty five since Philip Rivers' senior year. And so they're their, they're the co favorite in the in the ACC this year. You know, maybe I'm ref- you know, maybe it's just my brain. Like I, I remember uh I think I saw a tweet or uh, an Instagram post by, by our friend Brady Trantham where I think he said something like me. Uh, this is my reaction when I saw NC State was ranked number 13 and he had like a puzzled look on his face. So, you know, maybe I'm projecting Brady's take and maybe a couple other people I follow on Twitter's takes on NC State uh, as like what the the national thought is whenever where where you're, you know, more dialed into that kind of stuff than I am or nationally. Actually, people are super high on NC State. And I just, you know, I have no thoughts on NC People State. People are high on NC know. State nationally. Okay. And I, well, on our, in our season preview, I said, eh, I think they're kind of interesting, but they probably won't be because they're NC State. <laughs> Very uh, succinct. All right, that's all we got for today. Uh, we'll be back later this week to talk about OU's upcoming game against Kent State and anything else that's going on in the world of college football. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.